Hello, welcome to episode 829 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Tuesday, July 14th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what up? Hey, it, it must be like a few weeks into baseball season because tomorrow's tax day. Exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, that's usually an indicator. Um, Jackie Robinson Day on the same day, usually, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's so, uh, yeah, it's like, hey, we, we, the season's gotten going. It's April 15th, taxes are due, and Jackie Robinson Day. Well, taxes are due tomorrow, but the season has not gotten going yet. And boy, there's some other familiar things that have happened. And that'll take us right into our first news story. Unfortunately, Byron Buxton got hurt. And I don't even want to be like, duh, that's not surprising or anything. It's just a bummer. It's just a freaking bummer, Justin, that he got hurt yet again. And I have no choice but to blame Chris Liss. Yeah, no, Chris Liss took him in his online championship, and then the day he got hurt took him, or the day before he got hurt took him in the main event, so, uh, yeah, no, it's obviously Chris's fault, Uh, I don't think there's any way around that, and I think he knows, I think he accepts that. He has to know, I mean, he is the Buxton guy, after all, Uh, so Buxton was carted off on Monday for suffering suffering an apparent uh, left leg slash ankle injury turns out it was foot right now they're cautiously optimistic that it's not anything serious so where do we go from here you know the the drafts are really just kicking back off as far as the uh, the sprint additions and the nfbc and people getting their home leagues back together so what are you doing with buxton I mean, I think this is a cautionary tale about any of the guys that we consider injury-prone. You know, I think there's this idea that, oh, it's a shorter season, so guys have the chance to, you know, all they have to do is stay healthy for 60 games. Just because it's a smaller season doesn't mean those type of things disappear. Yeah, Uh, we were talking about this the other day, and I I feel like people have over overdone it on this idea that these guys won't get hurt now well and i think the reverse of it is that them getting hurt is going to be disastrous for your fantasy team yeah now it's much more impactful yeah you're gonna have to drop these guys so i mean luckily you know for chris and anybody who's drafted byron buxton you know it sounds like he may not miss much time if any but this is like for the Aaron Judges of the world, for the Giancarlo Stantons of the world. Like this is why you push them down in these drafts. You know, even you know the the Justin Verlanders of of the world. Uh, you know him still working on his mechanics because of, of issues. Uh, Jeff's piece yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Had some great stuff in there about Verlander and how he's kind of reworked his mechanics to avoid getting hurt. Um, and and that's that's scared Jeff off a good bit. Um, now, he'd already taken him in a draft the night before uh, with a second-round pick, but now he's a bit nervous based on uh, based on some of these these mechanic reworkings here. And, you know, Verlander's trying to keep ahead of pace so he can play eight to ten more years, which is admirable, but it does put a little bit of uh, trepidation, especially, you know, he's looking big picture. So in Verlander's mind, he might not even really, I don't want to say care if he misses time this year, but this year's probably not the biggest focus in Verlander's situation. Yeah. You know, So if he gets knocked around a little bit, he's not quite his ace self, he'll be like, well, that's all right. I'm working on these new mechanics here. And if anything, this is kind of a an easy training ground to, to, to not worry about it. You know, it's not spring training, but it's also not, you know, a full-on season that we're used to, so we could see something like that. But uh, you're you're right, guys. Guys that have injury concerns, as always, somebody changing mechanics. Um, these young guys like Jesus Lazardo and um, Julio Urias, AJ Puck, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, this idea that they're just going to be turned loose and start going seven innings all the time. And like I said, we were talking about this uh, a recent episode about pushing back of like this this risk is not gone and i feel like too many people are talking about the volatility working in their favor without understanding how it can go completely the other way and your point about how now an injury is especially damaging because a two-week injury is a massive part of the season needs to be understood 
Well, and I mean, we're going to want, especially if you're playing in leagues like NFPC, where you don't have IL slots, you're going to be churning. I mean, in every league, you're going to be churning and burning your roster this year. And mm-hmm. so, like, if, if you're playing in NFBC where you don't have the IL spot, like, having a guy just sitting on your reserve list injured is going to limit... What's that the, like? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not fun, I can tell you that. Um, it's, but it's going to limit the amount of at-bats and innings pitched and, and things that you're going to yep. be able to get for your team, which are going to be very, very useful this year. The, those decisions are hard in a six-month standard season of who to keep on uh, when it starts getting into the, you know, 10th round and later picks. Guys that you really had a lot of excitement for and interest in as their injury drags on, you really start, to, you know, just looking at some of the guys in the 150 range this year, like Jorge Polanco and David Dahl, Paul DeYoung, uh, Max Fried. None of them are hurt right now. But if those are the kind of guys that get hurt, you have excitement about them when you drafted them that they can that they could be an instrumental part of your season. And their injury drags on in a six month season, and you're like, God, I might need to cut this guy because I do not have enough roster spots in the in the sprint season. Are you kidding me? It's almost like you got to prove that you belong on this reserve roster if you're hurt. Like there has to be a really good reason to keep you around because I got to churn and I got to move on, even on somebody as high as like a top. 10 round pick, you know, 10, 10 to 12 round pick that I would really like. Normally I might be cutting if their injury is minimum two weeks with the potential for more. And I mean, we're going to talk more about, you know, one guy in particular who I've already mentioned in Aaron judge, uh, in, in, you know, the next, you know, segment of our, uh, of our podcast. But like, this is why I can't take him where he went in, in that first draft, like, or, yes, or in exactly. the set is actually the second draft. Um, is because now you're you're tied to him, like yes, and you have to commit. Yeah, it's it's. Oh, I mean, it's just I, I couldn't take him where he went in the second draft. I definitely, or in the in the first draft, I definitely couldn't take him where he went in the second. No, and we're gonna get into it. Um, just there's only been two main events, so we understand that we're parsing a very small sample, but we're looking at some of the biggest uh, differences between the two drafts that went, you know, three plus rounds of difference. Uh, with their pick here and just kind of get some idea of where we stand on them, where we would like to be uh, on the end of that. And as far as like you're talking about with like a judge, you don't want to be on either end of it. So um, we got a few more news items, including an interesting one here that I think could affect the game in an interesting way that we could never really quantify beforehand, but just that it will. 11 umpires have opted out of the season. So, if they're pulling up inexperienced umpires, even from the minors, it's going to be a worse umpired game. Now, to some, that sounds like a nightmare because there's some people who think umpires are the worst thing that's ever created, and they're not they're wrong at their job. Well, <laughs> about a few guys, but I think that the I mean, Hernandez's and the Joe yeah. Wests permeate this notion that all umpiring is bad, which I don't agree with. But yes, there is some bad umpiring without a doubt, and there's a few figureheads at the top of it. But you're talking about 11. That's a big chunk that they're going to have to replace. And that's going to create, like I said, worse umpiring. I I would ask, like, what move are you going to make? I'm not sure you can make one, though, right? You just have to kind of say, well, it's going to be even. This is just another piece of volatility. Yeah, I don't know that you can quantify this. I mean, I, I think it's interesting because not only has this happened, but remember, people aren't allowed to argue with the umps. Like exactly. you, you can so get you tossed from yeah, you can get tossed from games. So if an inexperienced thumb comes up, doesn't give you a strike, and, and the pitcher starts bitching about it and gets tossed, like that's gonna be that's gonna be huge. Uh, especially you know if it's in the middle of a you know one start week and your guy gets tossed in the second inning. But I mean, there's no way to predict. Uh, I mean, I assume that they're not gonna put these guys behind the, you know the new guys behind the plate initially. You know they'll uh, they'll try to keep them last in the rotation or whatever. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean this is it's going to be an interesting season. And unfortunately, Joe West did not opt out. Um, yeah, unfortunately. So. <laughs> Do you think that um, the umpires maybe as a whole will maybe be asked to kind of uh, take a little bit more jawing? That's um, you know from the sidelines type deal since they're not going to be getting up in your face. Maybe just let a few more words. Yeah, I know there's trigger words, but there's a few. You know, maybe let a few more 
outbursts go by the wayside there since, you know, you're not going to have to deal with any face-to-face battles and all that. I wonder if there's any sort of initiative for them to say, okay, you know, we're going to let these guys blow off a little bit more steam, but there's still going to be a breaking point. I don't know. I think maybe that would be something that could be um, worthwhile. It's a, you're not just quick triggering everybody. Again, Joe West is not uh, privy to that. He's going to, you're going to look at him wrong way and he's going to throw you out because he's a clown. But I wonder if maybe some of the other umpires would be like, okay, I'll take a little bit more on just some verbal, not abuse, but like swearing when they're yelling from the mound because I know they're not going to be getting up in my face and they're going to have to blow off a little bit, especially with these new guys coming in because some of them could be really freaking bad, Justin. Yeah. And maybe some of them are good. Who knows? I'm, but yeah, uh, maybe, maybe they're the next crop. You know, you know they, maybe the guys they, that were on the can't cusp. be. They can't be worse than Joe West. So you know, something's or Hernandez. Yeah, Hernandez. So. Uh, uh, that's just another factor to consider. And again, I don't know how you would act on it, but it's just another little variable that becomes more varied than uh, uh, th- than what we're used to. Um, it might it's, be it's something crazy. to watch for DFS. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially know. the folks that, that really study the umpiring. Mm-hmm. By the way, I said variable that varies stuff. I have a way with words. I really do. You do. I'm I mean, out. this is why you get paid the big bucks, dude. Wordsmith over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, next bit of news, a bit of a bummer here. Our boy Willie Calhoun can't buy a break. First off, I'd heard on the weekend, I believe, that he wasn't fully recovered from the jaw, but he was playing, but it maybe was still bothering him a bit. Well, okay, playing, great. Then he leaves Monday night's inter-squad game with a tight hip flexor. So it's like one thing after another this year with this guy. Um Oh, never mind. He did say that he was back to 100%. Where did I read that he wasn't back? Never yeah, mind. Anyway, the jaw's fine. Jaw's fine, but now it's a tight hip flexor. This is a guy you and I both really like. Um, it's precautionary right now. If you had a draft today, would you move Calhoun down, or would you take advantage of maybe people being a little bit nervous here and and think you could jump on on, on getting a guy that we both really like? Oh, uh, I mean, something we'll talk about again in the next segment in terms of hitters just getting pushed down and pitchers getting pushed up. I, I think I, lo- I like the price a lot on him. And so I would probably still be willing to take him if I was drafting right now. But uh, this is another reason why I'm waiting till next week to, to do all my drafts. Yeah, I, I remember when you initially wanted to be in on the first one and then you backed off on that and now you're, you're, uh, you pushed it back a bit to just get more of this news coming in. Um, I'm with you. I like the price on Calhoun. And then if you threw in any sort of discount based off of this, again, if someone was drafting tonight and he moved down from the uh, 168 area that he was in, I'm jumping. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take a oh, shot here. Ro- Robinson Chirinos left the game early too. Oh, great. Right. I, oh. Ju- I just took him in the MEQ, my MEQ yesterday. <laughs> oh, love that for, for everybody. Um, oh, yeah, I didn't even see that on the news there. They, they didn't put it. They didn't think Robinson Trinos was big enough news. He, he, uh, he rolled his ankle. The x-rays came back, uh, or images came back negative, but they're still concerned about his availability for opening day. Well, I guess he's my first cut. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, which sucks as with a catcher though, because they're already so. You really only want to take two catchers, you know. Yeah, I mean, unless I get Real Muto, which it's it's gonna be unlikely that I pop on him in the third or fourth round where he's kind of going right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm probably not gonna take a catcher until the end. And I, uh, oh, actually, no, you know, what? I don't think I did take him. I almost did. I didn't take him. All right, good. So, yeah, I'm, I'm probably just going to do the, you know, rounds 29 and 30, take my catchers. Okay. Yeah, you're going gonna, gonna to punt catcher. Yeah, it just makes just, sense. I mean, it's it's a, it's a viable strategy. The the rise of C2s last year, uh, I think, is going to leave something of moderate note. I, I'm playing more in the middle, not with both necessarily. I, I like to get a guy that I, I have some interest in at catcher, and then the second one I kind of play with and, and let the draft sort of decide where I'm going to go with that. But um, I, I do think punting, perhaps even more so in a season like this, because they're already volume challenged, mm-hmm. uh, as is. Maybe it is the right move to push them all down a bit, well, uh, except for... They're, they're playing so many games in a row. Yes. I was going to say, except for the ones who would have their off days either at DH or first base. Maybe, maybe those are the ones you still stick with. I, I mean, but who is that? That's... Uh, Real Muto, probably Sal Perez. Uh, 
Um, I can't imagine Garver's going to get days off. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, mean, where does he play? I mean, I mean, if, if 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 Sano is back, which we assume that he will be back from the COVID, and we we don't know, but I mean, if 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 Sano is back, he doesn't have a place to play at first. I think Garver plays over Sano. Huh? I I, don't, uh, I disagree with you. On those off days, I would I would play Garver over Sano. So, um, and plus you can justify giving Sano days off with Corona. So there, there's that too. But anyway, we'll, we'll see how it goes with catcher. Um, Willie Calhoun should be okay, ho- hopefully, because it's precautionary, but uh, we'll, we'll know more later. And then the last bit, not huge, but uh, Jordan Hicks opted out. You know, he's working his way back from TJ. And uh, I know you covered this on Sunday with Michael Kopech. So that's two guys who were working their way back who have said, you know what? Let's just pass on all of this. Um, were you even drafting Hicks? No, no, I, I really wasn't either. And um, you know, I don't, I don't want anything to do with that Cardinals bullpen at this point. Like, I just have no idea what who's going to be the closer, uh, who who's gonna you know emerge with saves. It just the whole thing seems like a mess. Well, as you pointed out the last episode that you and I talked, we have four guys with CL next to their name. None of whom were Hicks, by the way. It, that doesn't clear anything up. It's Martinez, Helsley, Andrew Miller, and John Gant, uh, Carlos Martinez. Um, so, yeah, the, this this doesn't really clear anything up because Hicks coming back from TJ wasn't really a front runner for the role. But uh, he is out, for those of you that, uh, that are hanging on to him. I think he becomes even a difficult, you know, dynasty league asset. I know he's still young. He throws super hard. He's only 23 this year. But I don't know, man. It's tough. It's tough. It's, it, it's going down an Alex Reyes path, which is upsetting because he's so good. He's, he's really good when he's pitching. And he had a breakout year um, last year when, uh, when, when he got going. But then the TJ cut him down. Um, and so we'll see what happens with Jordan Hicks. But right now, nothing for 2020. All right. Now we get to our main topic here, talking about these uh, these two main events that have gone off, and again, we know we're parsing a tiny sample. Don't worry, we're fully fully aware of that. Uh, just to try to talk about a few of these guys, one of whom we've talked about a lot. He is the biggest difference. That's the only reason I brought it up because it's funny how uh, how disparate his picks were at sixty three points or sixty three slots. The biggest difference was between uh, the two parts where the two drafts where Malik <laughs> Smith went. Can you believe it? And you're telling me you didn't pick him at 147? This he wouldn't even? have been on the board at 147. I'm just, I'm, I'm just disgusting. kidding. <laughs> disgusting. So he went 147 and then 210. So, again, I'm I dead set that you were in that draft where the 147 happened. You can lie and say it wasn't you. You had someone shadow drafting for you. Whatever it was, it was definitely you. And then a, a group of smart people uh, in the draft where he went 210. But... How funny is it? I mean, that it was that desperate. I mean, you're talking what four rounds at that point? Yeah, that's uh, that's huge. I mean, we're you know that's sixty picks. So uh, let's see. Uh, okay, so Malik Smith did report uh, yesterday. So that that mm-hmm. that is good news for uh, whoever took him or in, in both of those drafts because there was was that maybe it a big factor? You I think? don't. I think there are there is a large contingent of people that say a large contingency of people that say they that Malik Smith is a bad baseball player and I don't want him on my team um, at any mm-hmm. cost. I don't want the rabbit. I don't want, I don't, you don't have to call me a large contingent. <laughs> you can just say you're tall. tall. So, um, but no, I mean, you hear it all over the industry. We heard it all over yeah. F pass when we were in Arizona for first mm-hmm. pitch and uh, like people hate Malik Smith. Um, and as Matthew Barry uh, uh, used to say, uh, you know, the hate has gone a bit too far. Like, disagree. Okay, you can disagree all you want, but as much as you know, he is the Billy Hamilton of this time. Billy Hamilton. And look what happened to Billy. Hamilton. Okay, but Billy Hamilton also returned a lot of second round uh, value for for seasons. But he also offered the defense that kept him in because he's not just he's not pure Billy Hamilton and he's already 27. And and when did Billy Hamilton start to die off? So if you if you follow that track all the way through, his time is up, basically, because 
you know, at age 27, Billy Hamilton had a 626 OPS for a 69 OPS plus, not nice, and 34 steals. And then last year he had 22 steals with a 564. Malik Smith, about to be 27 this year, put up 46 steals, which did lead baseball, but a 635 OPS. Is it really worth it? And and I don't really see how it is because you have to plan to, to harbor those steals. I'd rather just get the steals elsewhere or not even worry about steals that much. I think people are overrate steals. With, with, with so few in the market, you don't need as many. So why would you even want to take a guy like this? I mean – I just, I just don't. I, see it's it. all about roster construction, you know. Um, and I, I don't <laughs> think people should uh, necessarily go into a draft going, "I'm going to get Malik Smith," and now I, so I don't need to worry about stolen bases early. I think that is a bad plan. Um, but what I do think is, if you're hurting for steals, or you're, you're, you know, and your your batting average and your other uh, offensive categories are pretty well put together by the time you get to pick 160 170 then uh it's uh it's not a bad option mm, I, I yeah i mean you'd have to have a really stacked offense that that's the thing i think maybe something in this you know you're you're kind of planning for this um, um with regards to pushing down pitching and you just have a an elite offense for your first like seven rounds you get a couple pitchers in there get another couple hitters, and then you're talking 13th, 14th round, whatever, maybe then uh, maybe then you can start to put Malik Smith in there. 14th round is where that, uh, where that high pick was at 210, and then just inside the uh, ninth round, or just at the end of the ninth round there is where the, uh, or excuse me, the 10th round is where that high pick was for Malik Smith at 147. So I, I agree with you that it is about team construction, but there's just so much downside, and and there's also so much upside. upside. Like there, no, there is. He can, win, he can no, straight isn't. up win you a category. How many players can straight? What what does that what does that do for you though? Like wh- like win you a category while hurting you in every other one. And yes, he spiked a two ninety six average and two eighteen, but that is so far out of the norm that expecting anything close to that. Like you don't get points or money for winning a category. Uh, you get points, excuse me, but you don't get money for winning a category. You don't get anything extra. So I would just rather spread out the offense. It just has such – plus, when you tie so much of your your speed to that, one injury and that, done. And that's because the, the hard thing part of it is, is yeah. you're not going to draft much speed after Like, I, I don't by I don't worry about uh, the Mariners sitting him. Like, I, I, I think that he is going to – They don't play D. Gordon? Huh? <sighs> They don't play D Gordon. Why can't it who, who are they going to? I do worry. Who about are they going to put in his place? Jared Kelnick. They're not going to start the clock on Kelnick. Why, Why would not? they? It's a short because season. It's there. prorated. Because he needs to develop. Yeah, I don't. I don't. This idea that, that this idea that they won't start the clock that that it's that it's a hundred percent. I don't agree with that. But I would. I was fine. Dylan Moore, Donovan Walton, Patrick Wisdom, anybody really. Patrick Wisdom cannot uh, play center field. I mean, either can well, neither can Smith, but Smith. at the same so, time, like, you can move somebody else around. I'm just saying, you know, put Jake Fraley in center, bring somebody. D. Gordon himself. You know, Malik Smith sucks. Fine, let's try D. Gordon again. Okay, he sucks too. Let's go to freaking Tim Lopes. The the bottom line is it doesn't matter because Malik Smith is so bad. That anybody, Braden Bishop, like name a guy on their team. Uh, you say Kikuchi when he's not pitching, <laughs> put him in center because he's just as good as Alex Smith out there. Wait, I, I here, I, I gotta. This has so many ways. To go I gotta that I don't see. I got a Mariners question that has nothing to do with this, but you just brought up okay. you say Kikuchi, and I'm looking at their roster resource page, and there's six starting pitchers. Are they rolling a six man rotation? And I didn't realize this. I believe that is correct. Yes. Wow. That's gonna make me lower some guys. Not that I had any super high or anything. Oh, but... I was gonna say, what are you going real ham on Marco Gonzalez? No, I, I've been like I've been going play. ham on Kikuchi. I want Kikuchi. Okay, I mean... but I mean, like as a late round pick. But now, I mean, if there's no chance he's gonna get us, you know, two starts in a week, I would I wouldn't say no chance. No, they're, not only they're playing six games a week, six man, and if. 
six man rosters don't always last though. Yeah, six that's man true. rotations don't and always Taiwan last. And Taiwan Walker is, you know. is bound to hit the IL again, so you shut your stupid <laughs> mouth. I think Justin Dunn is bound to underperform. Kendall Graveman is bound to be Kendall Graveman. Okay. <laughs> Taiwan Walker's gonna be the ace of that rotation. I don't want to hear any bad words about him uh, uh, trying to freaking pretend Alex Smith is a decent player. Get out of here with that. We need that. to start making bets right, now, on the air. And and actually oh, and actually follow through anything. <laughs> Malik Smith style. Right, oh, over over under over. how many games played from Alex Smith? It would have to be a percentage because we don't have many games this season. Yeah, if, I will, if we assume well, yeah, let's 60, assume sixty gets played. And we're putting the over under at. Well, you don't think they're going to ever take him out, so I'm going to put the over under pretty high, at like forty eight. And I'll take the under. I'd take I'd take I the over on 48. But I think that, that, is, that isn't a bad... I mean, here's the thing, too, and it's something that I think I've talked a little bit about, I think we've talked a little bit about, um, is, you know, Malik Smith's going to be hitting at the bottom of that lineup. And mm-hmm. I think this year, it's something I'm trying to quantify a little bit more. Like, this is definitely not the year you want guys at the bottom of the lineup. No, 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 because you, you want need the, those plate every, appearances, every, and every plate appearance if, just matters. If so you prorate it out, the difference between batting second and batting ninth is about fifty plate appearances, and that's it's huge, huge. in our season. This and so, year. yeah, like, like, uh, am I am I still interested in Malik Smith? Yes, but am I as high on him as I was coming into the season? No. All right, we've moved the needle, folks. We're getting Justin into some smart thinking, but we're not all the way there yet. Let's shift to a guy who's actually good at baseball, Shohei Otani. Pretty disparate here, too. Now, this is not directly in order. There's some guys I I, I didn't include. I didn't just go one to um, – we're going to talk about seven different guys. I didn't go one to seven. I kind of like um, Keone Kayla, who cares? Carlos Martinez, who cares? They, they both had three-round differences. I didn't find that particularly interesting. So, no, we've kind of talked to death. Um, Otani, of course, I thought he actually is the number two, though. He's the only other guy with 60 pick difference, 95 to 157. Now, I made the joke on you. You can make the joke on me and say, Paul, tell me you weren't shadow drafting that 95th pick and I'm going to call you a liar. That had to be you. It was not me, but I would do it because I love Shohei Otani. But 95 to 157, what do you think about that for Otani? Mm, that's tough. I, I think that. And I believe, pardon me, uh, I believe this year at NFBC you can use him as you either. Can. Yeah, no, you can that? use him as either. But that's part of the problem is how, how are true. you it going to determine when? Like, you know, I don't know that the Angels had earlier in the you know in the original spring training said that like Wednesdays was going to be his day. Should, shouldn't there be, you know, especially with the with something like NFBC that does the uh, the partial weeks. We should be advanced enough to the point where you pitch him for one half and you can put him as a hitter for the second half. I think that gives him too much That's of an unfair advantage, bad. though. Who cares? That's how good he is. And if that makes him a first-rounder, then so be it. We don't handicap Trout because he's so good. Well, like, people right. are this it year. Would, would <laughs> well, yeah. But, uh, you know, you're right. It would boost his value. But that's his value. Yeah, no, it's not a bad point. Um, I just think it's hard for them to, you know, the, the rule is that you can't move pitchers. And if he is a pitcher, I, so I then... know. I, well, th- okay, that part of it, you're right, because that's an NFBC thing. You can't change pitchers on the weekend anyway. So to that point, you're right. But what about the leagues that do half weeks where you can move anything? And there are leagues like that. Those leagues need, to, maybe they do. Uh, allow, they maybe do. They, yeah, the they do. So. Okay. So then that would make him super, super valuable. I, I understand. Yeah. You're right. I was wrong on that. I'm basically calling for a rule change for the NFBC because you, even on the Friday through Saturday, Sunday, you can't change pitchers no matter. It's only hitters. Um, but it would be cool if you could take him from pitcher to hitter. If he did pitch earlier in the week, you you would be – I mean, I guess you'd still be changing. Maybe Yeah, because then why couldn't you – like if Verlander's pitching on Wednesday, why couldn't you then put Garrett Cole in – on Friday, like it, it's it's just the rule. So like like I don't have a problem with that's the way the rule is set up. However, it does make it much more difficult to use him in this short. Manage yeah, time. and and yep. some they're gonna be 
it's not surprising to me that there's this wide split because some people are just going to say, I don't want to deal with a headache. And I get that. But you made an interesting point offline. I don't think you've said this on the show yet, that there was a lot of overlap in these drafts. Yeah. So to see such differences. Now, of course, that could just be that the overlap guys weren't taking these guys, but it does make it kind of interesting, um, you know, that they're witnessing both of these drafts and nobody was saying, oh, wow, well, look at uh, Otani here. Now, I don't know if I also don't know the order. Mm -hmm. Did Otani go 157, then 95? I can tell you. you Give know. me a minute, and I'll look it up. Oh, okay, excellent. Because I have them screenshotted. Yeah, I do wish there was some way that that we could figure out how to best maximize his value. Maybe it's something like, and again, he'd have to pitch early in the week to, for it to even matter, but then you could take him from pitcher to hitter, but you can't put in a new pitcher or something. I don't know. I just want Otani to have his full value, and it's hard to... Um, and it's hard, it's hard to manage in leagues that don't allow daily transactions or pitcher moves all week the way, uh, the way we're talking about here. Um, let's see. Otani, let's see. 95 would be what? Round seven. Oh, you know what? I could pull up the second one since you sent that to me and just keep that one up for when we're doing this. And then you only have to look at the first one. Won't that be a treat? Yep, he went in the second okay. one. So he went from 157 up to 95. And that could just be, you know, there was at least two, maybe three people who were in both drafts. But, I mean, the 95 is likely the, you know, draft where some it was somebody different, where they went, this is where I have yeah, him ranked, exactly. and, um, and this is where I'm going to, uh, this is where I'm going to take him. Uh, and I think from a straight skills perspective, 95 is a bargain, but... From a usage perspective, I'm probably closer to the 157, just because it's... It is tough. With the, you're, if you're if right. we knew with, he with was going to pitch on Wednesdays, if we knew he was going to pitch on Sundays, like it would be easier to go, okay, this is how I'm going to use him, this is where I'm valuing him. Mm -hmm. um, especially if we knew he was going to pitch on Sundays, because then you can use him... You know, or Saturdays, and you know, you could use you know him as a hitter for that first part of the week, and then sub in a different hitter. Mm -hmm. Your your point um, about or about the the fact that he was the second draft was where Otani went higher could have been influenced by the fact that there was a note on him on Sunday afternoon. That draft was on Sunday about how he played catch and was feeling better. Maybe that just added some confidence. And then, of course, yesterday. That neither of these drafts were on Monday, but yesterday he did throw 60 pitches over four innings in the inter-squad game, too. So now he's on the field. I bet he goes closer to that 95 in the next draft, I, I would think for sure. So that's Shoei Otani. Um, I lean closer to that 95. P push come to shove. I don't know if I'm taking him in the top 100, but it, I, I, I'm pretty close there. I really, He's just so damn talented, but I understand that the the, the deployment in the NFBC is difficult. Yeah. I mean, here, here, here's, here's the thing guy. real Go quick ahead. before we move on. Like, pitchers going after pick 95 uh, are Tyler Glass now, Frankie Montas, Sonny Gray. Like, I, I just can't, you know, Carrasco, James Paxton. I just can't rationalize taking him over those guys. That's fair. But even like even the hitters we're talking about, you know, that's DJ LeMahieu, Matt Chapman, Josh Donaldson, um, Fran Mil Reyes, Mike Moustakis. Like, I just can't rationalize. I think he fits in that hitting group. It's just about the volume. Well, but the volume is huge this year. Like we were talking about with Malik's batting well, sure. at the bottom of the lineup. I'm just saying on a per talent, uh, on a per at bat talent basis. He does fit in a there. daily league. I have no problem taking him earlier than 95. Where you can move. Is Otani gonna? Um, is he still gonna have that one? I I saw differing things about the uh, when he's gonna bat, like before and after he pitches and such. And then I thought Madden was saying now maybe it would only be the day after that he sits, but the day before he could still hit. Obviously, again, going back to what we're talking about, every incremental at bat is is so important. And if you're using him know. as a hitter. That's two days a week that he's sitting because you see he's mm -hmm. at least so he's at least sitting when he's pitching. He's at least sitting the day after he's pitching. 
that I yeah. mean, so you're tough. starting to talk about like what you know in a in a nine week season, you're talking about eighteen games. That's a huge portion of the season. You know, that's that's almost a third of the season that you're not going to get his stats. And now that I'm saying this, I'm pushing him way down. <laughs> like, I, I think you really should only be using him as a pitcher in that regard. And then... I really don't mind using him as a pitcher. But then you're though. talking about, like, how much do they pull him early because, you know, they're they're worried about him re-injuring after Tommy no, John. They, they're, you know, it's... No, they can't, they can't afford to do that. You can't... I don't think you can coddle him. Uh, if you're, if you're going to put Otani out there to pitch, you got to let him pitch. You can't be going four or five innings unless there's an actual threat. Because there's no value to protecting that way, to being uh, preemptive and saying, let's shorten these innings. That does nothing. We've seen it. it. It does not help anything. You pitch him. If he's healthy, he needs to pitch like normal. So he should still be getting six, seven out, uh, innings, five, six, seven innings depending on what they're going to go with. But um, I understand. I understand the trepidation drafting Otani. I wasn't surprised to see him have such a uh, disparate position there with the 63, uh, 62 spots. I just definitely wanted to talk about it, see where you're at. And uh, well, we're on e- each end there, but we're probably closer to, well, you said you're moving him down below 157. I'm not necessarily moving probably... him down below 157, but I'm closer to it. For oh, sure. okay. Okay. Yeah, so we're just we're we're on each end of the side there, each uh, end of the uh, spectrum there. For I mean, Otani. 157, you're talking about hitters like Ryan McMahon, Ryan Braun, pitchers like Max Fried, Robbie Ray. Like I, I'm taking yeah, I'm taking him he, above those guys. He's definitely even with all the missed time stuff. Otani definitely fits into that group, particularly with the hitters. All right, let's talk about my guy Luke Voigt, 177 to 224, a 47 pick split there i uh i like i like the person going at 177 although i hope that doesn't happen in any of my drafts because i want to take luke void i still really love him man and you know i've been pumping him all off season as far as somebody who could really go off i think he has kind of that over the top power as far as like a uh bang for buck i i i think he can match um pete alonzo on on, on a per at bat basis and then when you factor in just how much cheaper he is. There's no universe where I would take Pete Alonzo when I know Luke Voigt is available so much later. Um, like that's how much I like him. This guy is a this guy's a monster. It's really just a matter of of staying on the field, which has been a challenge. You know, he played 118 games last year, so uh, health has been a bit of a concern. But he's healthy now, ready to go, and I'm I'm definitely taking him uh, closer to that 177. I think what hurts him, I mean, there's a number of things on the Yankees that hurt him. Uh, it, it's, you know, the Stanton injury forcing him to be the DH. The uh, the mm-hmm. fact that uh, Miguel Andujar's... Wait, Stanton has Yeah, it's shocking, huh. right? Um, Miguel Andujar being so bad defensively that they've, they've mm-hmm. been working him out at first base, you know... And the outfield. Yeah, though. but he's been he's already had two errors so far in inter squad games, like bad errors in inter squad games. And so nice. that's why they're really starting to push him towards first, which would take time away from Luke Voigt. It's just such a messy situation. Like usually you want like all the hitters on the Yankees, and there's now like I mean, outside of the ones who are obviously cemented into their roles, uh, you know, like Glaber Torres, um, you know, and you know, Gary Sanchez and I mean even uh, Giovanni Urshela like it's becoming very difficult to decide which guy you're gonna take a shot on uh, because there's a chance they could be platooning there's a chance they could be kind of just rotating in and out uh, and I'm I'm avoiding a lot of those guys I still want to take a lot of uh, well not a lot of them but I still want to take some of them including Voight uh, I understand the, the the threat posed by Andahar because his bat is is good enough that you know they're not going to just let him rot i do think that here's the thing for me though if void is performing uh on a level that we've seen him as a yankee as you know he's been a 901 ops for them 35 homers 95 ribbies and basically a full season 157 games if he's performing on that on that clip i actually think it's urshela that takes the hit and they just eat the defense urshela gets the day off and or Urshela goes to second. They have Tyler Wade at second. 
Can our Sherla oh, play? That's Lam- no, that's because yeah, yeah, yeah. LeMahieu has Corona. Never mind. Yeah. I was like, they we're missing somebody here. I was very confused <laughs> by that. I was like, why is there a wide open spot here? Just put Urshela there and let Andahar kick the ball around. Never mind. Never mind. It's because LeMahieu has Corona. Um, but yeah, you're right that there is some some issue there. I will say, though, for me, that's built into the price because if I'm getting void after the round round 10, I'm I'm okay with that. Because I'm probably getting Matty O as my first baseman, Matt Olson, and Void as my corner. Olson or Void's rarely been my first baseman. He's often been my corner, which I could take a little bit. You know, I can take an off day here and there from that position. Um, I just really like the Batman. I just, I, I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not even trying to be shocking or over the top with the, uh, with the Alonzo thing either. I really do believe that he's got that same kind of uh, game-changing He does. Power. I mean, we saw and, it in 2018 when he played 47 games and hit 15 home runs. Like, Yeah, he went Like, off. I mean, that is obviously in, you know, the, the high end of, uh, you know, the possibility. Uh, I think at the price, you take the shot. I mean, the, if, if he's mm-hmm. going after pick 177, you, you just absolutely take the shot because the upside is there and... You know, we're talking about a you know a guy going outside of the you know top twelve rounds, and you just replace him if it looks like he's losing the playing time. Um, exactly. Or yeah, he's you know if he, if he if he gets out of the gate poorly and it's Andahar every other day, then you mm-hmm. move on, or or you bench him for a little bit and then maybe move on. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. Like that that price is why I stay invested in Luke Voigt because I love the talent and I have not been taxed on him. Uh, on my love for him. Yeah, I mean, the hard part is, you know, other guys going around pick 177. It's like if you take Luke Voigt, you're you're you you could be missing out on Malik Smith. Next up is Aaron Judge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that, actually, Aaron Judge is up next. You hinted at that fact that we would talk about him, and this one, I had to include this one because um, it's it's 50 spots. And it's 25 to 75, which feels so impactful, of course, because you're talking second round uh, there with the 25th pick. Look, I get it how talented he is. We all know that. You couldn't pay me to take him 25th. You could not do that. Like, I, there's no there's no way. And that was the second draft. Team six went Bellinger, Judge, um, in a vacuum, if you're guaranteeing me 60 games from both, I love that duo. But I, I went through the judge shit last year. I, I had him in a ton of leagues and you know because his price was down a little bit. And on a per at-bat basis, he was amazing, dude. 141 WRC+. plus, Love it. He still popped 27 homers despite only playing 102 games. But he played 102 games after 112, and he's still dealing with stuff. And don't forget... He's 28. I know he's newish on the scene, but he was a very late bloomer. He didn't really, uh, he didn't have that rookie season until age 25. I think this is the the norm with him. This is just what we're going to have to deal with. The fact that, I mean, he's so similar to Stanton. It's so easy to make those comparisons, as lazy as it seems. But we've been dealing with it from Stanton too. Although I will say, in fairness to Stanton, he had put together some healthy seasons. Um, two in a row before last year's 18-game disaster. So he'd actually found a little bit of health there in his mid-20s before last year. But they just – something about these big bodies, man, there's just so much to break, it seems, that something's going to go wrong. He's healthy right now, but what are you doing with Judge? I know you said that you might not even take him at the 75. Yeah. So the 25 had to make you vomit. Yeah, no, I, I was pretty shocked when it happened. It, it was uh, – I, I mean, I was watching the draft board live um, – and I just, yeah, I was uh, pretty taken aback by the fact that somebody uh, <laughs> would do that. Uh, I mean, he- here's a question that, uh, you know, I think uh, I-, I was on a podcast uh, that I think just came out. It's the new FTN uh, podcast with Matthew Davis and uh, and Matt mm-hmm. uh, Cupferly. Uh, and they had like just a, a you know, a three three hour podcast covering the main the second main event as it was going on. Um, and, uh, Dave Potts was on there. I was gonna be part of that, but I, uh, I I was, I was streaming a poker tournament or else I'd have been on. I I wasn't supposed to be part of it. And I just jumped in it randomly (laughs) because, because I can. Um, so like, here's my question. And it's, it's something that Dave Potts, uh, brought up. Uh, what's the difference between Aaron judge and Jorge Soler? Uh, 
nothing. I mean, health, right? (laughs) Yeah. One one was healthy last year and and is coming into the season healthy. I would, okay, like, and that's a great example. That's that's kind of a wake you up, cold bucket, uh, cold bucket of water into the face. Two picks later, J.D. Martinez. Yeah, no, that, that, yeah. You can't get me to take Judge over Martinez. Mm-hmm. There's no freaking way. I'll tell you what. And the guy that took Ju- uh, Martinez went Betts, Martinez, Granky, and a guy that I would take over, Judge Nelson Cruz. And he's 412 years old. I would ra- I would rather take Cruz, who we've talked about glowingly this uh, this offseason, the way uh, some others have, including Rob Silver. Was that was that Rob Silver? I do way? not believe it was. Okay. He must have been pretty pissed. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's just so many guys that I'd rather take. And it has nothing to do with Judge's talent. It's all about the health. But the health is such a big factor. By the way, that that no, it couldn't have been uh, Rob Silver because the Cruz person is the one who took Malik Smith. Mm. And I know that uh, Rob would never do that. <laughs> and th- I am so conflicted on this person's draft, whoever this team for is. I love Betts Martinez to start. I'm meh on Grinky uh, when Snell's available. I would have gone Snell personally. Love the Cruz Blackman 4-5 turn there um but then you take malik smith totally ruin the entire draft as far as i'm concerned you sort of save yourself with the arkady stripling in the 14th 15th round i know arkady uh seems to have come down with corona recently here but I- i'm okay with it at this juncture still what we're, we're, we're 10 days out this is about the cutoff anybody that starts getting it after this i'm starting to move down but right here there, i think there's enough time to where they might not miss anything but anyway, yeah, just that team four in, in draft two had a really back and forth draft as far as what I like. Some some of the picks I absolutely I think, love. I think they could Others. really struggle with strikeouts. I mean, when Granky is your number one, Ryu's your number two. And then Ryu. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I like Mike Miner. So, but no, that's a good call though. I like all three of those pitchers, but I like to take any of them when I have strikeout studs that have other issues. And, you know, that have maybe ratio issues, and then they become and, it. And the, those guys, Grinky, Ryu, and Miner, settle the ratios. It, more, and saves. Know? I mean, he, Brandon Workman is his first closer, oh, he, and like he pretty much punts he it. To yeah, punt he saves. took Scott over, yeah. Ryan Helsley. At that point, don't even take Workman. Yeah, right? I mean, if you're just going to, you know. I mean, I. No, I guess there's a case to say, I want to get some, but then I'll mess with the wire for others. You and I aren't messing with no. the wire. Uh, we have a point that. Yes, you're still going to get a thousand bucks for two months, but that's just going to raise prices. It's not going to be like, you know, you're going to still, it, it, you might not be able to spend all of it, but that's going to create some craziness that we're not going to be used to. A guy who would go for 20, I'm not going to say he's going to go for 200 necessarily now, but it's going to be different. So you and I don't want to get into that mess, but um, yeah, he's going to, that guy's going to have to, whoever has team four there with, with Brandon Workman and literally nobody else with a job, right? Well, Oberg, but it's Colorado. But, and, but then they said and, they start, they're going to start with Wade Davis. No, I can't imagine. Oh, they yeah, did. Oh, I, I can't that. imagine that they stick with it. Cause like I said in a previous episode, like he's got that, you know, that built in option oh, yeah, that, that, you know, hits 15 mil next year. If he closes out or uh, yeah i think it says if he ends uh 30 games so prorate it down you know to 10 games like there's no way he is the closer you know come two or three weeks unless i mean who knows with the rockies their their organization is you know they're they're so so dumb they they might might actually give him that but you would think any reasonable executive is like calling down to the manager and being like hey Dude, don't Dare. don't you do it. I will fire you tomorrow if we have to pay him fifteen million dollars next year. But Bud Black's like, it's not yeah. my money. Psych, throw him in, throw him in. Um, all right, but that's Aaron Judge. Sorry, I got far afield there analyzing that team. Um, let's move to the pitching side here and talk. Zach Wheeler went one fifty one to one ninety six. I haven't heard a lot of chatter about him going into this new new deal with Philly, staying in the same division. In fact, going to a rival. He's in that beast that you and I are a little bit nervous about, particularly for pitchers. Where do you come out on on uh, Zach Wheeler this year? Where, where would you be as far as this range, 151 to 196? Does that fit the range that you're in with him? Are you higher? Are you lower? Zach Wheeler, give me your thoughts. I'm um, probably closer to the 196 and maybe even below that, just because he's you know he's supposed to have a baby uh, 
at the end of July, early August, and he has said he has not decided whether he's going to rejoin them, the Phillies, after the baby is born. So, like, you could... Which we respect, yeah. but we have to put that into our fantasy calculation. I, I told too. I wouldn't I wouldn't rejoin the team. Like you yeah. No chance a, for me. Absolutely yeah. not. No, no freaking so. chance. So yeah, this is not bashing him. I'll put the caveat with every episode we'll put the caveat out. We're not talking trash, but that's I'm I'm saying no if I'm Wheeler, and then for me I'm saying no as Paul Spore drafting yeah. because that's too that's too that's too nerve wracking. Because he's gonna be what your two, maybe maybe three if you go pitching hard, which you're not. So if you're drafting Wheeler, you've already said that you're you're pushing pitching way down. He'd probably be your two, maybe even your one, depending and, how and hard the, you go at That's hitting. the problem for me is we're talking about a guy that I would I would need to be you know getting innings, getting strikeouts, and on top of you know he's likely going to miss anywhere from three to you know well it won't be three to six starts it'll be three six games so one or two starts uh, just mm-hmm. for paternity leave. Uh, and then having to test negative uh, coming back, now you're talking about a guy who could potentially not return. Uh, I'm just nah. not going to do it. Yeah, just nope, can't do it, can't do it. So that, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think I think I got to move Wheeler down even a bit more. I I used to like I loved him last year, and it disappointed me a little bit. Had another rebound. And I, you know, I've got him pretty decently in my ranking. I'm going to do another SP update here pretty soon. Uh, I think I'll try to get that out this week because we're going to really kick up the the drafts very soon, pretty much this week. So I think I need to get an update here with a lot of the uh, COVID stuff and, and and decisions like that. I had Wheeler at 36. I don't know that he stays in my top 50 when I when I re-rack. Yeah. Just to give you an idea, Lamette, McCullers, Marquez, Savale, and John Gray are 50 through 54, and a Wheeler who misses time, even even the guaranteed part of time, and then comes back, I think he could fit in that grouping, and it doesn't seem crazy. Yeah, I had Wheeler at 40, um, and I likely will be dropping him outside of my top 60. Yep, you and I, you and I are taking big tumbles there. And again, fully respect, you got to do what you got to do. You're bringing a baby into the world, man. You, you don't want to risk it. You just don't. I know that you know kids maybe not as susceptible to this, that. You don't want to risk it. It's an undue risk for a few games in, you know, all in all. It's his profession and everything, but all in all, rather trivial situation to put your uh, child's health at risk. So uh, let's stay with the Phillies. Uh, speaking of Corona, this gentleman has it, Aaron Nola. He went 61-103. to 103. I guess I—, I Wait, I don't know that he had it. He might have been just exposed because he's back with the team, I believe. Oh, oh, they put illness. So I thought, I thought, I assumed. My bad, my bad. It's unclear whether he tested positive or came into contact with someone who had it. Okay, pardon me. We don't know if Nola had it, but he's back now. Pardon and you already said there he is a possibility to start opening day. So yes, he he could already start. So let me ask you um, two things. First off, on Nola, and then I'm going to ask you exactly what you're doing with the folks who do have. Corona, because I don't know that we've had an updated conversation on that. But let's start with Nola now. He's back. Could start opening day. Where would you take him? Closer to the sixty-one or the um, what was it? One thirty. What was the other number? Sorry, I'm was uh, one hundred three. One one hundred three. Excuse me. Sixty-one to one hundred three. A forty-two spot difference for Nola. What? Where are you more likely to uh, venture for Nola? Well, again. You're generally pushing. I guess I can stop asking you that with pitchers because you're generally pushing them yeah. down. But how do you feel about Nola um, in a vacuum? Then I'm, I'm okay with Nola. I think he is one of these aces where people are uh, maybe penalizing him a bit too hard for last year. I, I think you're right on that. It, it, he does kind of seem to be forgotten a little bit, and it's like, hey, this guy is still really good. He put up a second straight 200 plus inning season. 387, 127, ERA a little bit high as the homers jumped from 0.72 to 1.2. And that could still be an issue, but I actually think he'll trim up that walk rate back down to what we're normally used to. He was up at 9.4% after living in the 6 to 7 range for his first four seasons. I expect him to come back down for NOLA. Meanwhile, the strikeouts have now lived at 27% for three years, so... I think you make a good point. He could really beat the 387-127. He could beat both of those marks by by a decent chunk. Yeah. Are you thinking like a 340-120 type of season could happen? I'm thinking like uh, something similar to his 2017. 
So three fifty four, one twenty one. Yep. And you know, and then you know, brush over a strikeout an inning. You know, in between you know mm-hmm. nine and ten strikeouts an inning for what seventy innings. Yep. So now, that'd be really yeah. Good. And I think that he is uh, one getting pushed down just because you know last year uh, the ratios were hurt. But he also man, had 10 strikeouts per nine last year as well. And he's been, yeah. you know, very, very durable the last two seasons as well. So, And remember, he had the reputation of not. And this is this is another example of how it can flip. We, we fit these guys into the peg of injury prone, not durable issues. And then they pop two 200 inning seasons. Now it could flip the other way and he can get hurt. You know, I, I was saying about Stanton, how, you know, we know him as injury prone, injury prone, injury prone, back to back 155 plus game seasons, and then 18 games. So the second you get comfortable with somebody, it, it seems that, you know, you can get thrown uh, the proverbial curveball there. But uh, I do think Nola's being a little bit slept on as a as a top tier pitcher. Um, and I had him in the latest ranking 20, 22nd. And I felt pretty good about it. Yeah, that. I think I had him in 19. So yeah, so we're we're, yeah. we're locked. Adam nineteen, there. right behind Woodruff, and right uh, above uh, Jose Barrios. So, but again, you might not take him just on principle of where you're pushing pitchers, but do you necessarily disagree with somewhere in between the sixty-one and one hundred three? And, and I do. I want to clarify. You know, like just because I'm pushing pitchers down doesn't mean I won't take an ace where they're going. So, like okay. you know, for instance, in my uh, in the the MEQ I'm doing right now. Um, you know, I took you Darvish, uh, you know, but I waited till like, I think it was the fourth or fifth round. So I was going to say it was the fifth round. Cause that's usually about, yeah. So yeah, I, I got him in the fourth round and you know, I mean, if I feel like I'm getting a good, you know, good pitcher that, you know, really sets me up well in the second, um, or in the third, like I'll, I'll take that shot. You know I mean? There's even a chance I take a guy like Garrett Cole or uh, Walker Bueller in, in the first, um, but then it's it's the next pit, you know the next tier of pitching that I'm just going to stay out of. Um, I see. So you will establish a first five round ace, then push everybody down and start playing. In for the me, middle, it's going to be all about in the, in the glove. For me, there. it's going to be all about value. It's it's you know, and yes. what we're seeing in these these first two main events is starting pitching getting pushed up like it usually does in these main events. But mm-hmm. it's also coinciding with a huge push-up of relief pitchers. And so the, what's dropping is the bats. You know, we talked about, like, J.D. Martinez dropping. You know, we're, we're seeing guys like Austin Meadows and, uh, you know, Jose Altuve drop, you know, Blackman drop. Like, these guys that I really like as hitters. You know, Matt Olson went in, you know, the, the fourth round in, in the second draft. And I think, I want to say he went in, like, the sixth or seventh round in the other draft. I'll take like, I'll take that all and day. so yeah i might grab a starting pitcher and a relief pitcher in my first five rounds but i'm also going to be pounding hitting you know pretty hard in the first 10 rounds yeah olsen went 50 and 71 and, and that that's a yeah, direct i, I, I mean that's him. a direct correlation with just how much you know starting and relief pitching you know closers are getting pushed up mm-hmm no i i am I'm, I'm seeing that here on on the board that you sent me it's very clear, and um, it. We talk. You, you mentioned it. Often pitching gets pushed up. Uh, starting pitching gets pushed up in the main event, in the uh, in the mid March to the finish line. We we really see things just go way up. Well, this is this is that now. This is that that's. But it's but it's and happening so this that. year with a huge push up of relief pitching. Of of the exactly, it, and the closers are coming with them. And that's creating some hitting values that are really interesting. Wasn't Meadows going in the second round pretty yeah. regularly? And then he went third round here, late third even. Dude, Meadows, whew, one of the few guys. You talk about the the Yankees. I think the Rays are similar, where they've only got a couple guys that you know are guaranteed, and then you're and then you're playing with a little bit of fire, where you love the talent, but you don't know the playing time. Meadows is the one one guy that you're certain. Number two in the lineup, day in, day out, righty, lefty, doesn't matter. And I understand why people want to take him. I think um, – I'm not sure that there's anybody else except maybe Adamas, who isn't as good talent-wise, but he's the he's the shortstop. That's why he gets his gig pretty locked and loaded too. Um, but then everybody else is a little bit of a, you know, 
you could see them getting a day off or or even being straight up platoon. Maybe Renfro, because his defense improved so much last year. I wonder if he would get more of a full-time role. Anyway, I don't want to devolve into a full race <laughs> conversation. My bad on that. Uh, our last guy here that we're going to talk about is Oscar Mercado. And I, I, I put him on specifically because he went from 66 to 107. And in the, in the Malik Smith conversation, we talked a bit about speed and it getting pushed up. This is the kind of speed I would push up because it's not empty speed. So to see him drop to that 107, I was pretty intrigued by that. That's something that, uh, that would appeal to me. I don't know if I'm necessarily taking him at 66. What's that round four? But uh, I do like I do like if he's going down anywhere, anywhere really fifth round and later for Mercado. You can sign me up. What? Where do you come out on on the Cleveland Indian outfield? I like Mercado a lot, especially if you're trying to build a balanced kind of team that you know with players that are contribute in in all categories because he's one of those guys. Uh, I think part of his price, you know, has been depressed, you know, coming into these main events because he had that early spring injury that he's now recovered from. Mm-hmm. And it was eighth round of the second draft. So he went cheaper in the second round mm-hmm. or in the in the second draft. Um, so there wasn't something like a bit of news that pushed him up. So he went 66th in the first draft and then down to 107 in the second. For yeah, 107 is just way too low. I mean that's I'm I'm taking that all day. Like he doesn't even get there. Yeah, I know. As far as I'm concerned, because that was uh, pick yeah round eight. I'm I'm probably taking him in that seventh round or even sixth. Yeah, I I, I really like. Him. I think uh, pitching probably p- plays a role in that. Um, I mean you know the the average of those two draft is you know eighty six, and that seems about right. Like that's the you know, Marcelo Zuna area, the Josh Bell area, the Max Muncy area. Yeah, I was, like, that seems right. I was going to throw you a few either-ors uh, with Mercado here based on some guys that went around him. Oscar Mercado or Tommy Pham? Mercado. I love Pham, but, okay. I mean, the elbow still scares me. Yep. Uh, same 100%, by the way. Oscar Mercado or Eddie Rosario? Mercado. Same. Oscar Mercado or Marcelo Zuna, who you mentioned, goes around his his range too. Mercado, same. And then uh, not an outfielder, but you mentioned Josh Bell too, so I'll just say that. Now I know that's the team construction type of thing because it's first and outfield, but just in a vacuum, you, you don't have a glaring need at either position. You have guys that you could take it at either Mercado or Bell. I'm gonna take Bell, and now I'm second-guessing myself on some of those other ones only because it brought up a roster resource page and we have him mercado hitting eighth is that wait what because they we have cesar Hernandez is first we really have cesar Hernandez leading off dude he's an obp guy yeah, he is it actually it actually kind of makes sense that's four switchies to start to hernandez santana lindor ramirez that's kind of hot um you know last year was a down year for Hernandez and he only walks 7%, but that was after three straight double digit walk rates that, that uh, facilitated 371, 373, 356 OBPs. And even last year struggling, he still put up a 333, which isn't too bad. You don't want your leadoff hitter in my eyes. You don't want anybody below 330. So he was just right there at that cutoff, but we know that his skills for Hernandez play up to be more. Now for Mercado's end of it, he had a 318 last year. Damn, I guess I kind of assumed that he was going to be the leadoff hitter, but I got to be honest, Hernandez does make more it sense. It does, and so that you know, and and you know more. But I don't. I would not bat Naquin ahead of him. I personally, well, I would he's bat a lefty Mercado. though. Like you, you want to have that kind of you know righty lefty as much as you can, and they've the back half of that lineup has four guys who are right-handed. So like I totally yeah. So we go right, right, left, right. right. I mean theoretically but you want i mean i think you want santana bat i think i think he is gonna bat eighth and that's gonna be a bummer and so that that and then so then you start having to push him down a little bit um i'm still taking him over rosario who's the first guy you asked me bam i'm still taking i'm still taking over i'm just too worried about fam's elbow Exactly, uh, but maybe Bell and Ozuna. Maybe we yeah. reverse. No, Ozuna. Yeah, Ozuna over that, him. That, Bell that. over him for sure. Yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. I think I think we're in lockstep there. But uh, yeah, those were my main guys that I saw through these two drafts. Some of the other high ones, uh, Wilson Contreras had a 46 spot difference. Gene Segura had a 54 spot difference. He doesn't really get talked about. Is he still running though? Not as much. Um, hang on. I I haven't given a singular thought about Gene Segura this year. I think I'm just going so many other spots at shortstop. Yeah, he was down to 10 last year. He cut him in half. Now, he could spike back up. We've seen it before with guys, but he is on a downward trajectory from 33 to 22 to 20 to 10, and I wonder if people are just worried that he might be a bland little double-double, although he was barely a double-double last year in a full season. Is is Segura going to be a double-double in a... Well, he won't be 10 homers, so is he going to be like... A five ten guy? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm on the lower end of Segura. He was two twenty five for the low and one seventy one for the high. I'm going lower with him. But um, and then I mentioned Kayla, Carlos Martinez, so no. Those those were all the guys that had a forty pick uh, range or higher, and it, th- those were twelve total players. I didn't think we needed to deep dive all twelve, so I picked my seven favorites from that. Oh, group. I think that I think that worked well. All right, well. We'll get back to it on Thursday, talking more. Uh, if there's, I, I, I assume there'll be more uh, main events there. Maybe we do something similar mm, with another group of guys. I don't know that there we... is. It looks like the next main event isn't until oh. the 18th. Oh, pardon me. I would have thought they were running. I, I thought daily. they well, were I too, not. but apparently, yeah, the next one is going to be the 18th, which is Saturday. So. Yeah, well, then we'll make up a different yeah. topic. And we'll probably have news because news is coming out left and right on stuff. Because don't forget, folks, this is the this is the depressing part. COVID's crapping on everything, but now the real injuries are going to start to hit too. The the body injuries those aren't going those aren't taking the year off and letting COVID fill in. COVID's joining that party of shit, so it's not going to be a lot of fun here um, getting those injuries. But at least we got some intra-squad games on TV here, and the gloves pop and the bats crack. It is, it is making me feel some type of way, I will say that. But uh, anyway, Justin, enjoy your main event qualifier slow draft there. We'll catch up with you on that on Thursday, and I'll talk to you in a couple right, days. Take it easy.